Hello everyone, welcome back to another instalment. This is the Good Bit Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here with us. This is the podcast where actors chat about their favourite movies with me, your host Chris Moffat. Thank you very much for tuning in again this week. We are chatting about a absolute classic, ladies and gents. It is John Carpenter's The Thing. From 1982, as we'll go on to, one of the greatest years in cinema history. And uh, what an incredible film. We're finally going to get to chat about this absolute classic right here um, that is that kind of debuted a lot of things in cinema, changed cinema at the time. We're going to get into it right now with an amazing guest returning to the show is Michael Geary, who made his first appearance in the Oppenheimer movie discussion video, or podcast I should say, that we did with the Damn Good Voices voiceover agency, along with Tyler Collins and Greg Jones. But Michael, it is a pleasure to have you back. How does it feel to be debuting on the podcast as a solo artist? Welcome. I feel honoured and also really exposed. I've got nowhere to hide behind. <laughs> I know, this is all, I can't, you know, continue on the myth that, you know, Tyler Collins and Greg Jones, I prefer to you because they've been on more times than you. That's not the case anymore. Now you've I been mean, on just as many times. Aha, well that shows them, but I miss <laughs> them too. I wish I, I wish they were here to, uh, to, to back me up. <laughs> no, I know. And listen, I love that Oppenheimer episode that we did, uh, I oh, think yeah. it was around a month ago, month and a half ago, maybe like that. Um, and it's great I like fun. the fact we, we we talked about like a like a, a current film, which is kind of rare for me, which I quite liked, and I had a little bit more um, kind of analysis based on the fact that I was joined by three experts, uh, as as yourself and Greg and Tyler. So hopefully, if only there was a, a holiday coming up soon in, in in the world where we could talk about some scary films um, hmm. and and maybe get all together again. I mean, that's hard. I can't think of anything at the moment, but but let me know if you think of something. That'd be okay. great. What we could do is we could create our own holiday um, and, huh. and just stick it at the end of October and maybe talk about ah. scary films. Oh, I like that. So like in an evening. Maybe in the evening and an, maybe at the door An if you will. <laughs> yes. And if some children come to the door dressed up in costumes, we will take the camera and the mics and go and interview them. Maybe not for <laughs> safeguarding reasons, but never mind. Maybe, um, no, maybe not. <laughs> We were just talking before we started rolling there about some uh, some techniques used by the likes of John Carpenter and other you know iconic horror scary movie makers. Uh, what are some of your favourite kind of horror films that we could maybe chat about at the end of the month? Oh well, I mean, I am a, a huge fan of John Carpenter, as you know. We'll be talking a bit more about about mm-hmm. his work later, but of course, he created Halloween, the, the, the one of the right. most amazing films made on a very low budget and had a huge return at Halloween. That's a good holiday. Why oh. don't we do it around then? Oh my God. I can't believe we forgot. I was just thinking Christmas. There we are. We got it. We got it. Okay. Um, so yeah, for a low budget film, it, it hits so big. And uh, and that was down to his amazing composition, brilliant performances, really creepy synth music, and a, and a very, very simple idea about the boogeyman, you know. And you know having yeah. Donald Pleasance doesn't doesn't hurt, does it? Uh, he's an amazing actor. Uh, so yeah, I, I love John Carpenter's movies. I love The Thing, obviously. I love uh, Halloween, one of his later movies. Well, later than The Thing and, and Halloween, anyway. Uh, Prince of Darkness is mm. extraordinary, as is In the Mouth of Madness. In fact, The Thing and Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness are known as the Apocalypse Trilogy. 
Wow. Because they all kind of spell out their own versions of what the end of the world might be. Yeah. So he's got something about that end of the world kind of idea that he loves to kind of talk about. It's Escape from New York, John Carpenter. John Carpenter as well, absolutely. Made before yeah, yeah. the thing was made. But but also talking about like horror movies that I love, um, Poltergeist is one of my favourites. Um, directed by Tobe Hooper, but produced by Steven Spielberg. And there's quite a lot of people who think, ah, well, you know, Spielberg had his had his fingerprints all over that movie. You can you can see it. It looks like a Spielberg film, but they maintain that you know, Toby he, he he directed it, which is interesting because um, the thing, uh, the previous movie the, before the thing, uh, the thing from another world, which is a nineteen fifties sci fi horror, black and white. Everyone talks very fast. Um, was a, a Christian Nyby or Nyby movie. That was the that was the director, but the producer was Howard Hawks. Yes, and a lot of people say Hawks directed it. They they say it's his right. his style all over it. Yeah, I was watching a documentary on the on the Arrow video release of the thing that we're going to talk about. The Arrow video release, almost as a. <laughs> You've got a fancy copy. Is that a fancy slipcover or this something? This is the fancy slipcopy of the Arrow release of The Thing. There you go. I'm doing a Greg Jones. I'm showing you my, <laughs> my, my collection. That's for you, Greg. Shout out to Greg, who we know is listening. <laughs> yeah, I love, I have, I love uh, this copy. I've, it's great. I've reversed the artwork on mine. Very nice. Good for yeah. you. And, and, and why not? They're both excellent pieces. Uh, in fact, yeah, this is, this is sort of the, uh, a, a reimagining. In fact, I've got a book of all of the posters, all the alternative posters of the thing, and um, and then posters that have been made by artists since dedicating to the thing. It's really great. I, I, I love that book. There were so many alternative artwork that they made a whole book just yep. on the thing. That's it, yeah. It's, and and people great. are huge fans of it. They've just created new uh, posters in the style that they, they wanted to show, which is, which is fantastic. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in that documentary, I believe mm. it's called, um, which one did I watch? Brand documentary, Who Goes There in Search for the Thing? Yeah. Um, and they talked about the Hawks kind of uh, imprint on it from back in the day and then how they decided to remake it later on in life. I have not seen that original one from the 50s. It's is it worth, the same film or is it is it totally different? It, no, it's not because they couldn't make Right. what they made obviously then but but they made their own version and right. it was a little bit more about the like the, the communist menace really that was the thing about watching the skies and you know you don't know who to trust but in in the uh the thing from another world it was a guy in a suit big guy in a suit yeah. i think it was james arness uh and uh they were just fighting this this thing but it, it it's a good movie it's got some really interesting characters um, uh, unlike the 1981 version of uh, the, the thing, the, the 1950s version has a female characters, which right. w- which you don't have in in the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a good movie. And the guy who plays the lead in that is a great actor. I can't remember his name right now, but he pops up in everything. But the one the one movie I always point him out to. My, to my poor, poor, poor Leanne, I always say every single time we watch it, go that's that's, and she goes, yeah, I know, and yes, I know that Viggo Mortensen <laughs> broke his toe when he kicked that helmet. God, please stop. Um, she doesn't say that, but you know, I can, I can, I, can't, I wouldn't blame her if she did. Um, 
Have you ever seen the movie Gremlins? Yes, of course. Yeah, so in Gremlins, you know when he, uh, the um, the father, Hoyt Axton uh, Peltzer, he sells the guy in the garage the smokeless ashtray. Right. And that guy kind of comes out <coughs> coughing because it's smoking. That guy was the lead actor in The Thing from Another World. He literally pops up in everything. <laughs> yeah, he, he just pops up everywhere. I think he's even in Airplane, he pops up. You know, really? he's just loads of bit parts. But he's really good. In uh, in in that movie, and he's in another monster movie in the fifties, and I can't remember what it's called, but uh, but he's he's smashing. But yeah, the thing from another world, I I'm a great fan of, and John Carpenter loved. Right. Um, and when he made the thing, he said, "I'm not I'm not doing a remake because I love that movie. This is uh, uh, this is John W. Campbell's uh, Who Goes There, yeah, uh, essentially. And and you know how much of a, a fan John Carpenter is of the thing from another world." Because if you watch the movie Halloween, um, one right. of the kids that Laurie's, uh, Laurie Strode is looking after, I think it's Laurie Strode is looking after, he's watching uh, the, the, the movie uh, The Thing From Another World on, on TV. Don't you love that? It's like being rewarded for knowing that that's a thing. No pun intended. You kind of go, oh, I get it, you know. It's like if you know, you know. And it's going to be a wee reward you get. Easter eggs aren't a new thing. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, another holiday of the year that we could maybe celebrate. Absolutely, yeah. There are not many scary movies associated with that, though, but there should be. There should be. There should be. I don't know if there's many Easter films either. I mean, uh, you know, there's a couple, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but um, but out, out of all the horror movies I, I love, you know, I said John Carpenter, definitely. Uh, Poltergeist is fantastic. And when I was about 14, uh, Channel 4 was showing uh, classic horrors. And I just happened to switch over and this black and white movie started. I was like, oh, what's this? And it was Night of the Living Dead. And that oh. really rung true with me. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Because I realized that it's not about the zombies on the outside. It's about the right. people and their relationships on the inside of the farmhouse. And how, how it goes quite badly. Um, and that got me onto Romero. Uh, and I, I I I love his his movies. I really like The Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, of course, the classic. Day of the Dead is fantastic. Then you get Land of the Dead, which I enjoyed, and then uh, Diary of the Dead, and wow. um, and the last one I can't remember what it's called. Uh, but, Something um, of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes, you know it. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's lots of really. Yeah, the really great stuff in there, and I, I really enjoyed Romero's humor in in those movies, and you know the idea of the 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 bleakness of the end of the world again. I don't know why it appeals to me. I think it appeals to a lot of people because it's something that we're constantly reminded of. It's mortality, isn't it? I guess. Right. Yeah. But uh, I guess very, very because good. you really hope, that obviously, you don't see it in person. So by watching it on screen, it's kind of therapeutic in a way. You're getting to see it as a fictional thing rather than a possibility. Absolutely, absolutely. Although a friend of a friend of mine uh, once told, <laughs> they, were, they were talking about uh, dying. And this this friend of my friend said to him, oh yeah, I know how I want to die. He went, oh, how? He went, I want to die when an asteroid hits the planet because then I know everyone's coming with me. <laughs> it's really dark. I suppose however you want I mean people have thought about that before but that one does seem a bit dark I, that is a, something out of a movie you know that's super dark yeah I know yeah. oh my god <laughs> anyway that's a friend of a friend so I don't, I don't yeah know. of course yeah definitely not your friend you wouldn't be friends with someone <laughs> like that 
Um, no way. <laughs> okay. Um, what have you been watching recently? Has there been anything on your screen? Have you had time to sit down and watch any new films or any TV series? Anything on rotation for you? So uh, just the other night we watched uh, No One Will Save You, which is on mm. Disney Plus, And it's really interesting uh, movie. Uh, do, do you know... Do you know about don't it? I, so. I don't want to no, spoil it, but it's it's an inv- sort of in home invasion alieny kind of movie. Well, it's very alieny. No spoilers there because it comes okay. very apparent very quickly. But it's about <laughs> a young woman who lives on her own in a, a beautiful big house. She seems to have a sort of dream life, but then you realise that she doesn't, and the people in the town that she lives near don't like her. We don't know why. Okay, and it's about what happens the night that the that there's this invasion and this is spoilers by the way i guess sorry everyone sorry um, yeah. but what's amazing about it is that it's uh an hour and a half or um yeah i think it's an hour and a half of no dialogue oh no one speaks and it's really interesting because the actor again whose name escapes me is fantastic I think she was one of the actors in Booksmart, if you know that film. Yes, I thought Booksmart was great. Yes, yeah, I can't remember her name, but apologies to her. But but she was fantastic because not being able to speak is so exposing for an actor, you know, and uh, right. she, and she's brilliant. And what's really interesting is that movie has, lo- even though it's, it's a scary film um, and a really exciting film, it has lots of comedy beats in there as well, which is really interesting. And there's a very fine line between comedy and horror. And they often yeah, definitely, them. definitely. That's interesting. So the whole film is no dialogue. Is the whole film an hour and a half, or is there more after that? It's an hour and a half. The whole movie is an hour and a half. I think one line is spoken at one point. Okay, cool. Well, that is definitely yeah. really interesting. I'll, I'll definitely yeah. check that out. Uh, it's really cool. I, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's great. And that's on Disney Plus. Uh, Disney Plus, yeah, absolutely. And and okay, yeah, a lot of people have been enjoying that. So so there's there's that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, haven't had an awful lot of time to watch many things, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, um, because uh, been a bit busy. But uh, that that was a, that was a high point. And there's and like I like I like watching uh, revisiting old movies. So we sat down. Yeah, me too. Not so long ago. Yeah, and uh, we watched um, Back to the Future. And because uh, I haven't seen it in ages, my God, it's a perfect yeah. film. It's perfect, absolutely, absolutely. One of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, it's 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 gloriously done, and everyone's yeah, fantastic. But it's Michael J. Fox, my God, incredible, so yeah. incredibly charismatic without any effort at all. What is your opinions on the the sequels? Oh, what uh, the Back to the Future and Back to the Future Three? Yeah, I love them. Aren't they? They're fantastic. Yeah. I, I really enjoy them. And again, you talk about um, uh, well, not apocalyptic, but kind of dark movies. That second one, absolutely, is, is yeah. incredible. It, that 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 weird. Well, it's not really the future, is it? The um, the alternate <laughs> present that right. that we we go through, where Biff is essentially Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> Is in, is really it's really dark and yeah I love that and and the fact that they made two and three back to back is is really uh is really wonderful and I, yeah and I love the fact that uh, and again this is another one I always always repeat <laughs> uh, uh, is that um, the town square set uh, that they use in um, uh, in Back to the Future is it called Hill Valley um, yes, Hill Valley. 
is the same town square set that they use for Gremlins. Wow, callback. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. really nice. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't believe we're actually approaching 10 years since the predicted future of Back to the Future 2, because it's 2015, right? It's yeah, 2015 yeah. that they go to. You know, you've got Jaws, that weird Jaws 7D thing coming out yeah, of the screen. Brilliant. Um, you know, what we all thought 2015, or what they thought 2015 was going to look like, and how drastically disappointed. Well, it's so disappointing, and when they, especially when they... they they sell those things, kind of the hot hoverboards, those things Hover that people boards, have ter- right. terrible accidents on. You don't see many of them around now. Um, yeah. And you look at them going, that's not a hoverboard. Watch Back to the Future 2. That's a hoverboard. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I, I love them. I don't love the third one as much as the first two, but I love the fact that they had to go back and reshoot some things for the second one, and they do such a great job of it. You know, for example, they've lost some of the actors, and you know they had to reshoot stuff because they wanted to carry on the scene directly from the end of the first one. And yeah. there's loads of wee things like that that when you know that afterwards, you just yeah. find a whole new appreciation for some of these classic films. You know, uh, and the, well, yeah, and the craft and the craft behind it is extraordinary. Um, and I think the um, the train crash coming off that bridge that's a, that's a that was a scale model wasn't it but it was like a really yeah. um uh ambitious thing to do because they can only do that once uh and uh, yeah, yeah it, it's it's it, there's lots of good stuff in there and um but the, again the the man who plays biff again can't remember his name sorry anyone uh he his his character journey through all those th- those three films is is amazing yeah he's a really good actor yeah, absolutely. And you hear all the stuff about was it um oh what's his name? Who plays Marty's dad? Glover. Crispin, Crispin Glover. Glover, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the stuff about him being like sort of strange on the set. Um just adds to the kind of mystique, I think, of him as a character back in nineteen fifty five because he is a kind of awkward guy, you know? Yeah. and he had his he had his way about him, but he was again brilliant, as was absolutely. Leah Thompson. And she she had a hard time, didn't she? Because they replaced him in Back to the Future 2. Yes. And she found that, I think, well, I seem to remember reading that she's, she found that difficult. Uh, to, yeah. Because they've all grown very close on the set of Back to the Future. Yeah, I get absolutely. That. I'd love to see the stage show. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it. I haven't. I think it'd be obviously amazing. Yeah, I'd love to see it too. I mean, I've been down in London like three or four times this year and I right. saw Phantom of the Opera and I saw a couple of other things, but I just I just missed back and I saw Newsies. Um but I missed Fantastic. Back to the Future of the Musical. Yeah. Uh yeah. Well I'm, um I haven't seen that, but I am going to see uh Stranger Things. Oh wow. Should be quite interesting. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Um so you mentioned Disney Plus being something that you're watching or you, you just watched a, a massive film on. Yeah. I don't know if you've had a chance to see Ahsoka yet. Not yet, I really want to. And the problem is all this stuff keeps coming out on social media about who's in it and like, ah oh, man, but <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It's it's fine because I I know I'm gonna really enjoy it. And and I cause I loved uh all during lockdown I watched all the Clone Wars and Rebels yeah, and all that, and I thought that was really they were the best. Uh, the Clone Wars, in my opinion, were the, the best Star Wars movies never made. Right. Uh, in, in a way. Man, but they were, obviously, they were there. And the, the voice acting is superb. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I it's, mean, it's very cool. As a voice actor, you're going to appreciate that so much more. You know what I mean? The kind of work oh. that they go through with, with all the, even just like taking these iconic characters like Obi-Wan and, and Anakin and stuff like that and doing their own spin on it, you know? Yeah. Um, 
and even the fact that the Ahsoka, you know, voice work came first, essentially, because now Rosario Dawson is, is bringing her to life and doing a brilliant job of oh, it. So um, I hear, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, have you seen The Mandalorian? Are you caught up I with have. Mandalorian? I saw her, saw when she, she appeared in that, and she was amazing. Yeah. And, of course, uh, was she in Book of Boba Fett as well? I with, believe so, because I get Mark mixed Hamill. up, because it's like, you know, Book of Boba Fett is essentially The Mandalorian Season 3. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah I think so. I think she was in one of the episodes. Because I do love how she was, like, geeking out the fact that she was on set with the real Luke Skywalker. You're like, oh, yeah. that's so cool. I love that. It's basically yeah. one of us, because we'd do the same thing, wouldn't we? <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't be able to move if I was... I was literally about to say, I think there's a clip of her giving him a hug. There's no way yeah. I could do that. <laughs> no, no, no. I would, just, I would just be frozen in place. I, I, I once... And I'm, I'm rubbish around a lot, a lot of people like that. But, uh, you know, you like to think you're, you're very cool when you, you meet right. famous people. No, I'm not, and I've I, I've been lucky to meet a few, but or but I saw somebody once. Um, I saw Henry Winkler uh, in London. <laughs> I was walking along. He was walking along. He was chatting away with some people, and I just saw him, and I caught his eye, and he and he 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 kind of looked at me, and all I could do, and I was like 45 or something when when I did it. And when I looked at him, I just went like that, <laughs> like the Fonz, <laughs> and he just went hi, and just carried on. All I can do is that. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny idiot. when you get starstruck, you know? Yeah. It's so weird. It's such a weird thing. I've met Dave Prowse, right? Amazing. I met him at, I'm at a comic, not Comic Con, it was like Collector Mania they did in Glasgow. Um, and I met him there and I got a, a 8 by 10 of Darth Vader from Empire Strikes Back signed oh. and it says, To Chris, I am Darth Vader. Or, oh. or Dave Prowse is Darth Vader and he signed it. Um, so that was really cool. But I was, I think That's I was like cool. 15 or 16, right? So I'm... In my head, looking back, I think I was pretty, I was pretty cool. You know what I mean? I don't think I said anything, you know, silly or whatever. But now I must have just not said much at all. But recently, I was at I was at Wembley Stadium for a wrestling event um, at the end of August, and it was obviously it's Wembley Stadium. There was eighty thousand people there, so many people. You're kind of walking around the stadium. It's just a big crowd, and um, you get kind of overwhelmed and stuff. Amazing. And I saw like this wrestling journalist, right, a reporter. So not really that famous, right? But I know who they are because oh. I'm a big wrestling fan and, you know, I just follow them on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. And just by just seeing him, I was a bit like, oh, and I wanted to go take a picture with him. But like, because he was walking, I'm assuming he was with his partner or whatever. I just couldn't get the... And he's just like this, just like me, essentially. I'm putting out YouTube content and stuff. Yeah. But because I know him and he's in the public eye, I guess... That that's kind great. of made me starstruck as opposed to meeting someone as famous as Dave Bruce. But that's great because the lovely thing is he means something to you. And I think that's, exactly. that's wonderful. And that, thank goodness for, you know, things like social media with, you know, YouTube and what we're doing here. And it's just everyone get their message out and, and it, it'll mean something to somebody out there. And I, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Just on the topic, who is like, again, some more famous people that you've met? Have you had a chance to work with anybody or is, is there one person that you think that's the most famous person that I've met? Well, I, I got to work with a, a few people um, recently uh, and I was on set with um, a brilliant actor called Brian Bovell who's in um, uh, Andor, but he's in loads of other things. I mean, he's a nice. fantastic actor. Look him up. He's ace, a lovely man, and an amazing actor called Siobhan Redman. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you know her? Scottish actor. Uh, yes oh my god she was in Dunsinane what does she uh, yeah, the, she's the in, Macbeth thing and she's in Two Doors Down as well I think is that, is oh that yeah the, she's she was lovely brilliant, brilliant. and also I met wow. John Hanna 
um, who oh, cool. was awesome. Uh, so yeah, I've been I've been lucky enough to work with a few famous people. Years ago, I worked with Damien Lewis. Um, I say work with him. I was in a couple of scenes, uh, yeah. and he was lovely. And yeah, but generally, people are really really nice. Although I did once go to a party. This is crazy. You won't believe this. <laughs> but a very 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 long time ago, a long time ago, like in the nineties, um, I happened to be uh, in a party in Hollywood. Oh, wow. And I was introduced to Paul Newman. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds made up, but I was. What did you, what did, you did you just go? I just went, ah. yeah, I should have done that. Ah. But I, I didn't, I, I just went, ah. And he just went, hi, I'm Paul. And I went, I know. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. All I, could think, all I could think was like, his eyes are so blue. It was, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> But at the, at the same party, there was, I don't know, I don't like doing that, but I'm going to, I'll do it. For, I'll do it for you. Um, at the same party, I saw the most of the cast of Star Trek Next Generation. Um, I jostled Dustin Hoffman at a, at a, at a, a buffet. I didn't know it was him. And, uh, oh. and, uh, and Morgan Freeman walked into the room at one point as well. So I was freaking out. I don't know what was going on. I was, again, I, I was not cool. I, I was not cool there. Uh, <laughs> it was it was crazy, but oh, man, everyone that's seemed great. very nice. What's amazing about parties like that, though, is everyone goes home early. Starts at <laughs> six, everyone goes home about half eight, nine o'clock, because they're all up at four in the morning filming. Yeah, so it was amazing. I mean, there are other parties where they stay up a bit longer, but it was like a, a of course. Day. In terms of the podcast, there's nothing. I've never had anybody that's that's really, really famous or anything on, on the podcast. There's a guy in, is a Scottish actor, Scottish comedian called Jonathan Watson, who is very well known up here because he used to do a New Year show every year called Only an Excuse. And it was a parody and a spoof on Scottish football. Right. And it would be a, a yearly tradition on, on Hogmanay on the last day of the year, every year it would be a brand new episode of this football show. And he would do it. So he was like a household name. Um, and he's also in Two Doors Down. Um, so I just out the, I just chanced my luck and asked him to come on. I'd never met him before, yeah. and chanced my arm, and he, he agreed to come on. And I was I was so nervous, like so nervous, getting on Zoom with him. Um, and luckily, I found out they were both supported the same football team. Amazing. So we just started chatting about that before we started recording, and it totally eased us both, you know, um, which is That's pretty great. good. And then the other one that's always kind of I was starstruck. I guess you ever seen the the Nickelodeon show Keenan and Kel? Uh, I I remember it. It was a that's 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 a that's a that's a proper callback. Proper callback. Well, randomly, I was in Asda one day, and the mum <laughs> from Keenan and Kel followed me on Twitter, just totally random. Amazing. Um, so I followed her back immediately and messaged her, and she's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll come on the podcast." So I, this is a show that I watched growing up, like religiously, wow. like right, even now, I've not seen it in years, but I can quote lines. You know, I watched it so much. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm sitting on Zoom with the mum from Keenan and Kale. So oh, that was a good one. That's very cool. Oh my yeah. God, that's really cool. I love that. And now but you're yeah, here so with me. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, look look at where you've sunk to now, you poor man. Honestly, it just sent me places, you know? It sent me places. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the biggest thing with the podcast, though, you know, getting to speak to these people. And even not just the podcast, but just in general, in this industry, getting yeah. a chance to to speak to people that you've looked up to or watched in some way is always pretty cool, you know? And it and it is lovely, and, and they say you don't meet your heroes, but I've I've met a few, and they've all been incredibly cool. So, you yeah, know, that's I love that. uh, that's nice, isn't it? It is. It's great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. 
Um, so I asked you last time when we watched Oppenheimer, if you could remember the first time, or we talked about Oppenheimer, um, the first time you ever went to the cinema. Yeah. Um, and you, I think you talked about Star Wars, which is probably I'm so jealous about. Um, I'm going to flip it this time as we are now on another episode. Can you remember right. the last film you saw at the cinema and was it Oppenheimer? It was not Oppenheimer. Nice. It was me with it. Barbie. Okay. Because <laughs> we did that day. We did the double. You did the double? We did the double, yeah. There's a great cinema not very far from us um, called the Olympic in, in Barnes, sort of in southwest London. And it used to be the Olympic recording studios. So um, their, their kind of strap line for the cinema is Abbey Road had the Beatles, we had everybody else. <laughs> and okay. uh, like ev- everyone's recorded there, like Def Leopard, um, uh, Queen... Uh, wow. Prince, uh, like anyone you can, you can. I don't want to say Def Leppard, I don't. Know, but they did, they did. But I, but I don't even know any of their songs. Um, <laughs> uh, loads of loads of really famous people have gone in there uh, uh, and 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 recorded. But it it um it shut down in the I think it's like early noughties, and then somebody bought it, redid it, and made it into a, a two screen cinema. And it's wow, beautiful, and it's got an amazing sound systems, comfy seats, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, yeah, we we uh, we often go uh, to uh, the Olympic because it's an amazing place, and um, we. That's the second time we've seen a double there. The first time was a while ago, and the double that we saw was. Um, uh, do you remember the movie Inside Out? Yeah. So we watched Inside Out, and then we watched Legend. You know the Cray twins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's. Not quite Barbenheimer, but no, uh, you know, pretty much the same film, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, it was. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, but we we because we thought, oh no, we you know we we kind of thought it's it's hilarious. The whole Barbenheimer thing was very funny, and you know, I like I, I thought it was very. It was just I just really enjoyed the whole ride on that, and the fact that yeah. that they were giving each other that kind of publicity, I thought was was fantastic and brilliant. It's, yeah, it's extraordinary. I think the people are now thinking the next double is going to be like Paw Patrol and Saw. I'm not sure that's going to work, but <laughs> Saw Patrol, I'm sure. It's not Saw going to, Patrol, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, we went along and we and, and we loved it because people were like, oh no, God, don't watch Oppenheimer first because it'll spoil it. And I didn't. It was, I, you know, you can differentiate between two movies and you can't get more different. Uh, right. But also both brilliantly executed. Barbie was yeah. fantastic. I, I I absolutely loved it. I, I was... Yeah, I was I was laughing so hard at the beginning, the opening gag that I, I was I was nudged. <laughs> it was like, sorry, sorry. But uh, what, what what was the opening gag? Because I'm um, laughed at it. The, the well. two thousand one gag that they. Oh, I they, see. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was brilliant. I thought it was hilarious, uh, and and it and it just kept going and going and going and going, <laughs> and uh, they everyone again, everyone was 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 pitch perfect in that film. I, I absolutely yeah. loved it. Not to be confused with the Pitch Perfect movies as well. Not um, to be uh, confused with Pitch Perfect movie or to be confused with Bit Pitch Black, which would be a, 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 a very odd combination if you've seen that film. No, you won't because it's a horror movie. I've not seen it. It's um, a 1999 horror movie st- starring Vin Diesel. It's a sci-fi <laughs> horror. It's very good. Interesting. Um, pitch Black. It's yeah, very good. I'm sitting there watching Barbie, and I don't know if you've ever had this in the cinema before. But you're just like, I just don't imagine anybody disliking this because it's so much fun, right? Yeah. And then you leave the cinema and you just see lots of backlash and you're going, what are people thinking? It's just crazy. I don't know how you feel about the Star Wars sequels, right? Um, 
but I was sitting watching The Last Jedi, right? Yeah. Just being like, I can't believe, I mean, they've done it again. This is great. I'm having a great time. I love the story. I love the way the film is made. I love the tone of the film. It's different than the last one. The acting's great. Oh, amazing. And then you just see this total backlash online and I'm like, I end up feeling a bit silly. Like, am I missing something here? Like, no, why is why is the negativity, you know? Not at all. I think people have their own idea of what they want it to be. And if it doesn't exactly fit what they prescribed to themselves it's going to be, they yeah. get uh, they get upset and and do you know what I, I went through that when I, I saw the prequels the sort of Phantom right. Menace and uh, Attack of the Clones and Avenger the Sith I remember watching them going oh, I don't I don't like this I don't like this. but then after a while I realised that they're not for me they're for right. a new generation and, <laughs> right but oddly now I'm a, like a generation on from that I watched them again and thought oh these are really good yeah so you just got to be able to think about it and then try and understand why and how it was made and who made it and for whom and then and then go back and revisit and enjoy and and i i mean what i like about last jedi and there's the visuals now there's some beautiful set pieces uh, yeah. my god um is i i love what mark hamill did mm-hmm. he he wasn't sure um about the the decision of the where his character should go and he had this conversation with Ryan Johnson about it, so I, so I read. But the point is, he did it because he's that kind of amazing actor. You go, right, well, yeah. let's just go for it and see what happens. And he's always done that with everything he does. That's why I think Mark Hamill is such a great actor. And yeah. his ending, spoilers uh, for now, in, in that movie was beautiful. It was perfect, actually. Absolutely. Because he didn't harm a single person. And that's beautiful. He saved lives. Right. Didn't take a single one. And it's just ultimately Star Wars and he's Luke Skywalker. You know yeah, what I mean? He's one of the I, greatest good guys in cinema history. Yeah, you he, know? He, he didn't He didn't do... He, he, and I, I, I love that. I, I love that. He, he's, uh, you know, you, you're expecting this... We were all expecting this massive uh, lightsaber battle. And we, and we yeah. got it, but we didn't. And it was so clever. I, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. You know, and he did yeah. this amazing thing that, that um, you know, a, 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 and no one should be able to have done what he did because of the you know, the, the power it required or whatever. And that's, that's very cool without, you know, it doesn't summon a sky beam or open up a hole right. that throws everyone, picks everybody up and throws them into space. He just does a bit, an amazing misdirection. And, and he got to kiss his sister goodbye. Absolutely. I mean, it's just total, isn't Star Wars just the best? You come out, you know, a Star Wars screening and you're just like, you're just so happy. You're just smiling ear to ear. You just feel like you've seen something completely different. And I can just imagine what you were like when you saw I don't know if we said it was the original Star Wars or Empire, but when you saw them at the cinema oh, yeah. for the first time, that must have just been, it must have changed you as a person. It did. It twisted my, my little melon, it has to be said. Uh, yes. I mean, I was obsessed. I was, of course, I was, I was obsessed. And, um, and I saw, yeah, I saw the original Star Wars in, right. um, in the cinema and then Empire and then Return of the Jedi. And when I remember being, uh, what was that? I must have been just 10, 11, maybe, when um, Return of the Jedi came out came out in 83 yeah but i'm not sure if it came out in the cinemas here in 83 okay because back in those days there was quite a long delay yeah between uh a release in america and release here i might be wrong so i was either 10 or 11 but i do remember watching it right through to the end and i love the ewoks still do and being immensely satisfied just like ah that's done 
Yeah. Great. And I just moved on with my life loving Star Wars. Yeah. And then we got more of them. And the thing is, I think people, as I said, they a lot of people do get it into their head as to what they want. And if they don't get exactly what they've asked for on the on the menu of, the, of their mind, then they 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 they're not they're not happy. And you should just be grateful that another Star Wars thing's being made. This is it. This is my point. And it's also you didn't make the film. No. This is the way the films have been made. This is the way they're written. This is the yeah. ending. That's why and it's I surprising. Exactly. And I understand people are like really passionate about it. You know, one of the most passionate fan bases ever is, is yeah. Star Wars fans. You know, and that's great for a lot of reasons. And it means we're getting all this new stuff. Um, and it's nice to see, obviously, you've not managed to catch Ahsoka yet, but it's nice to see that it's generally mostly positive opinions and reviews Good. and stuff. And that's going to be hard, you know, in any kind of massive fandom, you know, um, or franchise. But yeah, for, long story short, I'm loving Ahsoka. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Um, and I think a lot of people are doing that. They're kind of waiting for the binge, you know. Um, I enjoy the water cooler chat, you know, the fact yeah. that it's like a new one every week. But I don't know. I, I feel like I take it in more if I'm binging it, you know. So I mean, I, I, again, I, I just haven't. I, I wish I had time to watch it. I really do. Yeah. But as, as I said, it's it's been difficult not uh, to, to do so. But when I do, I am going to sit down and um, and and get into it because I know I'm going to enjoy it. And being able to watch one after the other will be will be fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh it's, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So in terms of, you know, picking a favourite film, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of knew it was going to be the thing because we chatted about it briefly when we sure. talked about Oppenheimer a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, it's it's a classic horror film, a, a classic thriller, I suppose, that um, I, f- I feel like is not as sort of appreciated as maybe ones like Halloween and, and other ones <laughs> in that genre. Um why, why is it one of your favourite films or is it your number one favourite movie of all time? I don't have a number one because my moods change. Yeah, it's uh, but it's in it's up there because yeah. I've seen it so many times. I've seen The Thing a lot and I also have seen Harvey a lot. So, you know, I, my my, right. my tastes right. are usually with the slightly weird but not necessarily stuck in one place. But um, I, I love The Thing because it, it it did something for me that I had never seen before which was uh, essentially a monster movie, which wasn't somebody in a suit. That's what it did for me. Now, Alien, which came out a couple of years before. 79, I want to say. 79, so maybe a year before. Was it 1982 it came out? So yeah, three years before. Yeah. Um, Which was, again, a stunning film. Another one of my favourite movies. Every single actor in that movie sells it 100%. The design is gorgeous, you know. Ridley Scott's cinematography is is, is amazing. Um, actually, well, I can't remember his DOP's name, but um, I'll be. I've got friends of mine who be shouting it at, at me if they listen to this, tell, telling me what it is. <laughs> um, who he is, rather, uh, uh, and it, it is stunning. And the alien design is incredible, but it's still somebody wearing a suit. A very tall somebody wearing a suit who was, was very, very good, but still somebody wearing a suit. When we watched The Thing, there are moments in that that your brain is going, I, I can't, I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. Amazing that that, that you can create something like that on film. Uh, and it's been sculpted by a mad genius uh, effects uh, uh, designer um, uh, uh, Rob Botine, who who was who did incredible work on that. So that's one of the things I like about the thing. I like the isolation yeah. of it. Again, I think it's really interesting. 
Um, I, I like I, I like all the characters because they don't get a lot of time to to create them, and they they really they really dig deep into into character actors of the nineteen seventies to 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 show you who you've got. So you like people like Donald Moffat um, in there. You've got the, um, uh, amazing, um, uh, uh, of course, Kurt Russell. Uh, yeah. Keith David is incredible. One of the greatest voices out there. Uh, playing Childs, Wilfred Brimley, who is amazing, plays Blair. I mean, great uh, name, Wilfred. Wilfred. Wilfred Brimley. Uh, did you ever see Cocoon? Uh, I don't think so. It's uh, it's a worth watching. It's a nineteen eighties aliens uh, kind, of, uh, not alien style. Uh, it's a nineteen eighties movie involving aliens, but they're a little bit, they're a bit more um, uh, benevolent, uh, and it's okay. uh, and it's set in an old people's home. Right. And Wilfred Brimley is one of the residents of this old people's home. Yeah. And he's 56 in it, I think. 55. <laughs> he's in an old people's home. I'm 50. <laughs> Wilfred Brimley is my age in the thing. Okay. And I'm like, oh my God. And the, and I and I tell people that and they'll go, yep. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, you resemble them every day. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do. If I if I shave this off and just kept this, the moustache they used to have, I'd look like that. But um, didn't have a moustache in the thing. Uh, yeah. But it, it, he he's he's brilliant. In it. There's there's just loads and loads and loads of brilliant actors in it. Um, it's a very clever movie. It sets it ramps up paranoia brilliantly. The horror moments are scare are very horrific. There are really lovely little comic touches in there, which are really mm-hmm. really good. Um, the the actor or oh, David something who, who plays um, Palmer uh, is very subtle uh, um, as the the stoner kind of um, uh, a mechanic character um, and he's he's really great and he has one of the best lines in in the movie that has been copied countless times afterwards do you do you remember I think I remember them mentioning it in that documentary, but I can't remember the exact line. When uh, we're going to go to spoiler territory here, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. When when Norris, there's that amazing scene where Norris has the heart attack. Yeah. And the doctor does the oh, yeah. defibrillator, but because Norris is actually the, uh, uh, one of the things, thinks it's being attacked by the electricity, so the chest opens up, and the doc's arms go in, and then they yeah. get bitten off. And then they torch it with a with a with their flamethrowers, and then Norris's head comes off his body, sprouts legs, and starts to walk out. And you just see that lovely moment where he's just walking out, and you got like two or three of the actors kind of just turn around and watch. And that's when uh, Palmer says, "You got to be effing kidding!" Yeah, and it's brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant moment, and people laugh brilliant out moment. loud amongst all this horror. And they've, they've, uh, people have, have tried to copy that line again and again and again in subsequent <laughs> movies, and it's never worked. Not like that, because no. you've got to build no. up to that first. You know, you've yeah. got you've got to, all this incredible chaos and these extraordinary visuals, then you get that, and it was perfectly delivered. Is it not more impactful someone saying something like that than just screaming in terror? 
You know exactly. what I mean? That's more memorable, you know, with a, a funny, quirky line like that. It, it absolutely is. And that entire sequence was extraordinarily done. Did, did you uh, see the interview with Rob Bottin about that? I may have done it. If it's in the documentary, I've definitely seen it, but I'm, I'm not sure. Because what they did for that that moment, because you look at it and you go, how how they did that? How did they do that? That was, that was practical. How did oh, they yeah. do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Doc, the guy, Copper is his name, the um that's Richard Basehart, I think his name is. The actor is another brilliant actor. Um, uh, Richard Mazur? Uh Richard Mazur plays Clark. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Richard Mazur plays Dr. Cooper. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, he. Um, what they did is they, they'd found this, this man who was a double arm amputee who wow. lost his arms in an industrial accident. And he... They they fitted these these false arms with kind of made of gel uh, onto him. So they they get chopped off, and he goes back. And what they had, well, the other thing they'd done is they they created Richard Basehart's face with like a silicon mask. They put that on him, and that moment where he rears back and he's screaming. That's all they need to get that moment. Then they do a close up back on the actor's face. So you don't see the arms, and that's how they did it. And and you think, my God, that kind of the thought process to put all that together is extraordinary. Right. And there's several people underneath this thing operating the uh, the pneumatics and everything they need to, to do to make it all happen with things squirting everywhere. And you just think all of this effort for this extremely short but very impactful sequence is amazing. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I just can't... I, I, I can't... I admire that so much. It's It's extraordinary. Yeah. That's it. It's totally admirable because it's just, you know, that it's practical, physical effects and it's not, you know, and there's nothing wrong with you know special effects. I love the fact that we've got yeah. all these great films now yeah. with some of these amazing effects, right? But I just, there's something really charming about the fact that this was early 80s and the, the, the thought process that's gone into this is really appreciated, and, you yeah, know? And, and not just the, the thought process, like, but the, the effort. I mean, yeah. Rob Bottin had was basically hospitalised after that because he put so much into this and you can see it you know the the artistry that goes into the, the the these extraordinary sculptures that he made in fact richard uh Mazur or Mazur or whatever I, can't, I don't know how to pronounce his name i'm afraid to say another amazing actor uh he was quoted as saying it's some of the most beautiful things he's ever seen because of, of the artistry that went into those to those effects um yeah. And apparently the crew used to make fun of Botin because he'd always want them to put less light on his work. They're like, but mate, it looks amazing. Like, no, no, just, 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 you know, just bring it down, bring it down. It's really interesting, yeah. really interesting. And Stan, Stan Winston uh, is, is um, worked on it with him as well, but he's uncredited because he was like, no, no, this is Rob's movie. I'm just okay. helping him out. Uh, so they kind of thank him in the credits. And Stan Winston, of course, does loads of amazing creature effects and uh, this, uh, um, the Stan Winston workshop. Um, and uh, But Rob, Rob Bottin, again, has done lots and lots of stuff. And apparently he met Winston on... Um, and Rick Baker, who was another incredible effects person, they all met on Star Wars. Um, they were making masks for um, the uh, creatures in the cantina. Cool. Because apparently... 
a good mate of mine was telling me this, uh, uh, an amazing film director called Mark Price, who should also get on here. Uh, uh, we, we would we would do one together. That would be, be great fun. Um, I'd love that, yeah. He, he was saying that he read that um, uh, Lucas didn't really like any of the designs that were originally made for the the creatures in, in the cantina. So, so in the wide shots, you don't really see any of the hero creatures that get the close-ups. Because they had okay. to, they just they got these guys to remake them, and then they kind of dotted them around the cantina, so you get all those lovely moments. Yeah. Uh, but you, 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 but you generally don't see many of them in 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 the cantina in the, in the wide. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty interesting. But so that's how they that's met. Really but Botine did some so many incredible things um, for that movie and, and worked so hard. And Carpenter was worried that people might laugh at this film because of the idea. But when he saw the creatures that Botine was making, he was like, nah, we're fine. This yeah. is going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and he he met Bo- Rob Botine on, um, I think he was doing The Fog, another one of my favorite films, a brilliant right. ghost story. It's really great. And Botine was working on that. Um, I think he was making a few things like masks and effects, but he also wanted to be in it. And so and so he was. Uh, yeah, so... Nice. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's some really, really good stuff in there, but uh, it's, it's, it's a cool, really cool movie. Yeah. Um, what I love about the thing is that it's like one of those films that is kind of, you feel the actors or the characters, I should say, are trapped, right? And yeah. it's all set in the one kind of area. Like, for example, Jaws, my probably my all-time favorite film. Yes. Um, although, you know, it's there's different locations, obviously, because of the film, but the, the main kind of the climax is on that boat they're trapped there you know they're, they're trying to find a way off something like alien or 2001 and these classics as well and um, so i love the idea of of that where it's just them there's yeah. no hope <laughs> you know they need to try and conquer this themselves and i think in terms of depictions of alien like creatures in film this has got to be one of i don't know what aliens are going to look like right or if, if they even exist however i can probably imagine it's something like this you know what I mean? Like it's, it's. I think it's the, one of the best depictions of what an alien could look like, and it's just done so well. The fact you're looking at it actually disturbed, just by looking at the different incarnations of what this alien is able to shape shift into, yeah. it's just very interesting. Of what Carpenter imagined <laughs> the alien creature should look like, you know? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's, uh, and it's down to the performances that support that, and the incredible uh, makeup and, and 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 effects that are in there. Um, but yeah, when when your brain can't quite latch onto what it's watching, I I love that. It's yeah. really, really, it's really attractive to me to to watch. And then you start spotting the details. So there's a lovely moment in um in in the dog pen, right? Obviously, when a terrifying scene. Yeah, oh it's, my it's, God. it's 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 like, I mean, we, we should talk about the dog. So there's two dogs playing that one dog. Okay. Running through the snow at the beginning, that is an Alaskan Malamute dog, because um, obviously they were shooting out in um, uh, Alaska, yeah. uh, and then they were shooting in studio with the dog inside, um, and that dog was called Jed, the, ins- the inside dog, and he's a wolf dog, so he is like half wolf, half domestic dog, Okay, and he was in other movies like White Fang and White Fang 2, um, yeah. and that dog is not only one of the best dog or animal performances on screen, but I think it's just one of the best performances on screen. Because when he was walking through quietly right. through the corridors, just like 
just still and, and just like really focused, like, oh my God, I know human actors who can't act that well. And then when it just kind of sits down quietly in the dog pen, um, I always have this idea that he's sort of saying, you know, good evening, fellow dogs. I too am a dog, by the way. I'm just going to sit here for a moment. And then like all the dogs go, hang on a minute. What's that? That's not a dog. Okay, I'm going to eat you then. Uh, yeah, they all start growling. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, I would. I, that's one of the first things I wrote down in my notes. Excellent dog direction and excellent dog acting because oh my, my God. God, like, I don't know what it is. See the opening shot, or, or I don't know if it's the very first shot, but one of the first shots, the set is very intimidating with yeah. this just surrounding of the snow, right? Yeah, yeah. They use the surrounding overwhelming amount of snow, the dog, and then like lots of shaky cam at mm. first. And those are three things that kind of hit you in the face in terms of these are three intimidating things. Um, if they used any one of these things, and no pun intended, in a <laughs> film, then it would be, oh, you know, something, you, know, you feel a little bit nervous, you know, because, you know, if there's going to be a dog that looks really cute and beautiful and it's going to get harmed, yeah, that's yeah, a bad yeah. thing. The overwhelming amount of snow that they just look as if, if anyone's going to be involved in here, there's no way out. And then the shaky cam just for, you know, post, I guess, per- effect. But the fact all three are in those first five minutes of the film, along with the absolutely unbelievable music that I'm sure we'll, oh, we'll chat about, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, is, it just sets the tone so right for the entire film. And the fact that the dog then carries that on, even just by walking through the corridor. And I must say, the other scenes where there's characters running down the corridor, followed by a camera that is literally running with the actor, is so effective. Yeah. Um, and again, makes you feel quite intimidating intense you know which it, is what we're going so for closed in i mean this yeah. harsh environment outside you're absolutely right and what's really interesting is i mean the, the movie starts and you're like what what's going on i mean you get that opening bit yeah. with that that's you think is that a flying saucer that crashes into the in, into the earth's atmosphere right. some people don't like that beginning because it gives, it gives it away like i don't kind of care i think it's great it looks good yeah and just uh, just there i forgot that that is actually the beginning of the film you yeah. know because it's so you know away from what we're used to just seeing that white snow everywhere you yeah know yeah I mean? and 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 uh, uh when it opens you 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 don't know what's happening because you've got your dog running through the snow and you've got the helicopter right. and you've got grenades you're like what what's what is going on and then when the helicopter lands and the Norwegian dude gets out. He tells us exactly what's going on. But unfortunately, neither we or you and I, I'm, I'm assuming, nor the characters can speak Norwegian. Because he actually says, it's not a dog, it's a thing. Get away from it. Or worse That's to that effect. Says. Yeah, he basically tells them that is not a dog. Wow. But they don't wow. speak Norwegian. And I wonder how that went down in Norway. You know, like, ah, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they just get out with it like oh well thanks yeah <laughs> yeah but that's really interesting I did not know that I didn't yeah, know that's what you said it's, it's brilliant just, just the fact that you you, you are told exactly what's going to happen yeah that's brilliant but I, I think maybe not the first line spoken but certainly one of the first six or seven lines spoken is a huge spoiler which I think is, is, <laughs> is genius unless of course you speak Norwegian or you're in Norway and you speak Norwegian so yeah <laughs> right. uh it's it's great, but um, yeah, uh, it's a brilliant open. But what I was saying is about about the detail. So when you had the dog thing in the dog pen, yeah, and when it's making its big transformation, and then Charles comes with his flamethrower. I'm not sure why they have flamethrowers in in the Antarctic, but it doesn't matter. Um, he get, gets his flamethrower, and then it it. it he aims it, and then there's that bit that kind of flies out towards him like an open flower. Like yeah. That. 
the, the kind of the petals of that of that open flower are dog tongues. Ooh. And they're lined with dog's teeth. Wow. And you go, wow, what kind of mind comes <laughs> right. up with that? Right. I like Brilliant. the moment where the, Nor- the Norwegian guy goes to throw the grenade and it like slips out his hand. No! <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, Why has this happened of all he's times? He's having the worst day of his life. <laughs> yes. There's something about the fact they're shooting at a dog, though, that makes you go, oh, God, oh, this is worse than shooting at a human. Yeah, you know. Definitely. And I'm not the biggest dog guy in the world, but my God, you do feel for the dog. You and really the fact do. that, you know, that there's so many of them trapped with these guys um, and this research project in the Antarctica, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, very it's, it's very interesting when you, like, there's a bit where they go back and you, you see that, you know, Blair has killed all the dogs. And there's <laughs> right. that, that, that shot of that one poor dog with the, the, the axe in it. And I remember watching it with people and they go, oh, like that. And you go, you just saw a dog's head fall off. And it transforms right. it. But you're like, but you're disturbed by that. And it's because everyone's hardwired to, to, to look after and love dogs. Quite right. Well, listen, some people would say it's barking mad. Oh, um, so we take a pause there. <laughs> well, oh, nice one. And now uh, we're thinking of dog puns. Keep going. No, <laughs> <of dog> puns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I sometimes, I sometimes struggle in, in big kind of ensemble casts, right? When it comes to a lot of characters, especially same with Alien, I think. Um, especially the fact that it's not that long of a film. The thing, it's about an hour and forty, right? Which to me yeah. is perfect film length oh, for me. Gorgeous, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and there's so many characters, and you can't really get to know everybody. No. And I think it's when it comes on rewatch that you kind of start to get the, the quirks between Palmer and Childs and things like that. Um, but I think they do a good job to the fact where, you know, where you, you actually don't want certain people to change and you don't want them to be one of the things. Um, and, to the, you know, you really enjoy Kurt Russell's character. Oh, the I mean, yeah. Um, and you're really hoping that he survives and you're hoping that he's not a thing. Um, which but again, is quite... the, the ambiguity of that ending is perfect. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, 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 they've done quite a, jo- a good job, the fact that it's not the longest film. We've not had a lot of background on him, but we do care for him, you know, and it's down to Kurt Russell's great performance, I think. Absolutely. Um, and and the care for each other. There's a lovely moment where yeah. they find that Bennings has been um, assimilated. Uh, Bennings is the guy who wore the, sort of the orange. He's the guy who gets shot. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, and the, the ginger dude uh, with the ginger beard. And when he says to Gary, who's like running the place, he's the guy with the, the gun, and he says, but I know Bennings, he's he's my friend. And you really feel that moment. There's, these actors yes. are selling that it's really real, you know, and, and that the, they're, I mean, I know that's their job, but they do it so right. well with with not that many lines. And you're right, with with, with not a lot of setup, but you just you just get it because that's what I mean, Carpet is brilliant at, is, is, is setting up characters, um, giving you enough for you to go, oh, I like them, but yeah. not overplaying it. I think a lot of movies nowadays, a lot of horror movies nowadays, go, here's some people, now they're dying. And you're like, well, I, yeah. I don't care about them because you haven't given me a chance to get to know them at all. Um, yeah. And that's, I'm obviously not with, there's lots of movies that don't do that, but there's, yeah. there is quite a lot who just, they don't seem to care about us caring. Like, you, you know, uh, there's another personal favourite movie of mine, which I'd also like to talk about one day, The Blob, 1988. Uh yes another horror movie they take ages to get around to the to it's all starting to kick off and what you they do is they make you and it's um uh what's the name of that amazing director writer 
Frank Darabont wrote it, Chuck Russell directs, and uh, they spend so long getting, getting, letting you get to know the town and the people in this 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 little town. You forget that it's actually a horror movie, right? And then it all kicks off, and you're devastated. There's one wow. particular death in that, which is heartbreaking and incredible and, and horrifying. It's uh yeah you might not like it it's a it's very <laughs> melty the blob but it is good no I'll check it out I'll definitely check it out man check it out I'm happy to talk to you about it because I have a lot of love for the blob but back to the thing you know you're right that but he's he's really efficient in in setup that's what John Carpenter yeah. does brilliantly absolutely yeah. let's um let's talk quickly about the music so is this oh, yeah. I mean I don't know what you would call the most iconic um score in cinema history jaws maybe jurassic park i think jaws is definitely one of them yeah i mean you can see john williams working out i mean he'd been working for years before that but he was working out stuff in that and you're like oh yeah 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 he's and you can and you can you can hear echoes of his work then through all of his other movies as they get better and better obviously all bigger and bigger um i should say i don't think there's any movie better than jaws frankly but there we are Um, me too i agree on that one yeah uh, but uh, it, but the but the music makes it, and the, yeah. the, it adds so much to it. Um, and 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 does as does Ennio Morricone's score in this, which is so stripped back, especially yeah. for Ennio Morricone, because like he was like right. you know the stuff he would do is was is, is is was extraordinary and beautiful, but just the simple these simple chords. It was ah, oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, I love it. You know, the first time I watched this was two years ago, right? Um, when I got the Blu-ray and I put it in and obviously in the main menu before you hit play on the film, the songs or the, the scores playing before the film even starts. And immediately when you're on the main menu, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're still, you're getting into the zone of the film and it's it so, si- you- I say it's so simple. It's obviously not simply done right, but it's in theory, it's just a few chords or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's so impactful. Just those. And, and that's the point. I think that, uh, to be able to create something that impactful, it takes an extraordinary amount of talent and for it to seem simple is 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 the genius behind it exactly right um because apparently he wrote an orchestral score wow um which they didn't use um and uh quentin tarantino tells uh, told this story i think i'm remembering this right where he wanted morricone to um or he approached him about writing music for the hateful eight Mm-hmm. And Morricone was like, "I'm uh, sorry, man. I haven't got the time, uh, but I do have this old score that was never used for the thing. And would you like that?" And you can imagine Tarantino going, "Uh, yeah, 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 uh, yes." <laughs> so apparently, he, he uses some of that in in the Hateful Eight, which is an homage to the thing. Wow, of course it is. Yeah, there's another another film that is it's you know set in one location. The characters are trapped. You know, they're trapped by, they're trapped by snow. Yeah, it's so, trapped by snow. Yeah. So yeah, it's really it's really interesting. So yeah, but the music is 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 brilliant. Uh, simple strip back electronic. Oh, it's gorgeous! Really good. All those, those lovely strings. The the way it's lit. Who's the DOP on that? Is it Dean Cundy? I think. Uh, it in the in the Blu-ray, it looks brilliant. Yeah, uh, one of the best Blu-ray transfers I've maybe ever seen. Actually, of a film. Yeah, it's it's it was lovingly done. But Arrow do that all the time. They're 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 great. They're really good. Yeah. Um, so if I was to say to you the year 1982 in cinema, how many classic films come to mind? 
well, the thing, uh, Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Yes. Um, oh, I'm trying to think now. There's there's going to be more. It's is just because of the, the feature. Slayer? Is Hawk the Slayer 1982? I'm not sure. I've got a Google on here of all of them um, because of, there's a feature on the Blu-ray basically just 1982 oh, e. cinema. E.T. is the big one, yeah. E.T. Um, E.T. is what basically uh, ruined the thing. Uh, in terms the of alien thing, films. Yeah, the thing came out two weeks after E.T. And people were like, why are we watching it? We want to see the nice one. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, because it, it, got, it got hammered at the box office, yeah. the thing. In fact, I'm going to be very boring, but I'm going to look, I'll, I'll, I'll look something up on here. Some of the reviews. Oh, yeah, please uh, do, yeah. Would you like to hear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'll read you. I'll read. Well, we should find them. I'll read you some other films that came oh, out. Please in do. Too. Okay. So we have someone that I share a birthday with, Gandhi. Hello. Um, there's something we have in common. You'll never believe it, but Poltergeist. Of course, Poltergeist. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, Blade Runner. Oh god, I'm I'm gonna get people are gonna laugh at me because I love all these movies and I forgot they're all 1982. Nah, I know. I, I don't mean like we're quizzing you. I just mean in general this year yeah. is ridiculous, right? Yeah, it's so good. Um, so we got Et Annie. Uh, one that I watched recently that I loved, The King of Comedy. With oh my Hero. God. One of the most terrifying performances committed to film. Amazing film, I thought. I, I think Rupert Pupkin is more frightening than Travis Bickle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pupkin, that's right. That's his name. Brilliant, Brilliant name. Conan the Barbarian, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, First Blood, The Snowman, oh uh, Tron. The Snowman is, causes cause more trauma than The Thing. That movie had more kids crying. I love the snowman. It's great, um, but it is it's just heart wrenching. It is, it is. It's Rocky Three. Rocky Three, the best Rocky film. Oh my god. Wow, with Clubber Lang. Fantastic. All in the one all in the one year. Halloween three and Season of the Witch. Great movie. And another one that is one of the best sequels of all time. Well, there's two great sequels of all time. One is Greece, Greece Two. Oh. But Airplane 2, the sequel. Brilliant. It was 1982 as well. So yeah. what the, a year. What a year. What a year. Um, yeah, uh, I'm ashamed I didn't know all of those because there's some absolute crackers in there. So I'm, glad I got, well. I'm glad I got Wrath of Khan, though. I'm, I'm pleased yeah. about that. There you go. All right, have me with some of these reviews and then we'll finish. All right, up. so uh, let me give you some of these ones. This is what happened um, to poor old John Carpenter's The Thing. Um in Starlog magazine, critic Alex Spencer wrote, John Carpenter's The Thing smells, and smells pretty bad. It has no pace, sloppy continuity, zero humour, bland, bland characters on top of being totally devoid of either warmth or humanity. It, I mean, it's paced brilliantly. It's my contention that John Carpenter was never meant to direct a science fiction horror movie. <laughs> Here's some things he'd be better suited to direct. Traffic accidents, train wrecks, and public floggings. Jesus. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like, I think that's something, something against him. (laughs) No, you said earlier on, if you're sitting watching a film and you go, okay, this isn't for me. I don't know if the thing was for this guy that wrote this review. I think, I think you might, I think you might be right. I mean, like there are others. Let me just see if there's another one. Um, Sorry, I know man man looking up things on the internet is not great for uh That's all right. Um uh let's have a look. Uh <laughs> but yeah, I mean 
it's 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 unbel- it's unbelievably bad. Um, there's plenty of like classic films that this has happened to where it's not done well at the box office and it's gotten slated and stuff. And then you know we are sitting here forty years later or whatever it is talking about or how much we love it. You know, and oh, it's it, that's at the, the time you'd go. That's where did this review come from? You know, this is why VHS was was so important because it revived so many movies. And the problem is, well, I'll get into that in a moment. But um, I'll, I'll, but here's another one. Um, New York Times critic Vincent Camby described the movie as foolish, depressing, with its actors used merely as props to be hacked, slashed, disemboweled and decapitated, finally to be eaten and then regurgitated. It is too phony to be disgusting. It qualifies only as instant junk. Oh, man. Do you think it's because they've not seen much like this before? And they've just been like, oh, well, that's not how cinema is. They didn't know what to make of it. They didn't know what to make of it. That's that's that is the thing about yeah. the thing. Um, what was I going to? Sorry, I'm completely. Uh, You're going to talk about? Um, yeah, I had it. and I don't know either. Um, ah, well, we'll find it again. That's no problem. We'll find it. Yeah, um, but this is the thing, and this is also the good bit podcast. What is your favourite bit of the thing? Favourite moment? Oh. Favourite scene? That's really hard because there are so many. Yeah. But I have to say, I think it's the heart attack scene. It's it's probably the most shocking, I think. It's extraordinary. And also, um, uh, Gary's line at the end of the uh, the blood testing scene when he says, I, I know it's been difficult for you, gentlemen, but I'd really prefer not to spend the rest of the winter tied to this effing couch! It's uh, fantastic. Great line. Yeah, he's, Great and line. again, expertly delivered by by a, a a brilliant a brilliant actor, Donald Moffat, being being fabulous. Yeah. No relation, by the way. Oh, um, are you sure? Are you sure? Be, well, who knows? You don't know. You know. know. Let's have a look. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that uh, that's my favourite. What's yours? Can I ask? Oh, it's funny that people always ask me the question back, and I should expect that coming. I never <laughs> prepare this. Um. I most like the scene like when Kurt Russell's character stuck outside and he comes in and he's got all the frost in his beard and stuff, right? And he, he looks like he's frozen. And then when McCready kind of takes over um, and has them tied to the couch or whatever and he's going through with the blood samples, I reckon that's probably my favourite scene um, or favourite bit, I suppose, just because it kind of I think it changes the film. And as I say, we, does. we like McCready's character. So the fact that he's the one with the high ground, as Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, uh, <laughs> you feel quite relieved. And you go, oh, well, hopefully he's not in danger just now. Um, but then, of course, the big climax is, you know, the fact that the thing is infe- infesting everywhere in, in the cabin. He's under the floorboards and, and stuff like that, you know, which gets a little bit overwhelming. But I like yeah. the fact that for a while, McCready's in control. Yeah, and uh, it, yeah, I agree. And he delivers, a, there's a great line um, when they're outside looking around. Uh, they're looking uh, I can't remember if they're looking for Blair maybe but there's a bit where he says I'm going to go check out my shack and they say why and he says because when I left last night I turned the lights off right because back up and there's and you're like oh that's great that's you know I, I love I love all that stuff although there's lots of stuff in that movie that points towards the fact that McCready could be uh, the thing absolutely yeah and I like that too though, you, you keep questioning you know yeah. the whole situation you know which is important for these sort of films you know absolutely and it's it's so it's it's so well played um and other other 
other lovely moments. Um, oh my gosh, my I think my my dog has come into the room. Oh, how long oh, was do you I, think? How long was I alone with that dog? Oh, oh my god, maybe I'm a thing. <laughs> Maybe, but it's good we've captured this on the camera because yeah, yeah. Uh, this could be final moments, you know. <laughs> it could be. Let's keep it rolling, see what happens. Um, but uh, another one of my favourite bits, though, is uh, which I, uh, always makes me laugh, is there's a bit where Gary says, well, I, I'm sure you'll feel safer if I'm not in charge. And he puts the gun down. And Childs goes, well, okay. And they go, no, not you, Childs. We need somebody less hot-headed than you, right? And then, then they give him a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, you hothead! Now you just take your flame flamethrower instead. You won't cause any damage with that. <laughs> I do love the fact that like the the flamethrower is on for you know maybe two seconds, and the whole thing is completely engulfed. Oh, whatever they're trying, you know, it looks pretty brutal. You know, it, I mean, it is. Again, I I'd, I'd like to know why they have flamethrower. There might be a reason they have flamethrowers sure in, in, in Antarctic. Yeah. I'd like to know what it is. What I do love is in the Antarctic at the moment, in, on, like lots of research or there's a British research station. I know that they they. They all get they all get together and watch the thing every year. Really, in the Antarctic Research Station, which I think is fantastic. That's I would great, love to yeah. do that. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I'd, I would I would gladly pay to go and stay in this in, in, like inhospitable place just to sit down with those people and watch the, the the movie with them. It would be amazing. It's like every astronaut needs to watch Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey before they go up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, exactly. So. <laughs> Don't just don't in- watch Gravity because you might not want to go. <laughs> no, no. Um, just as you're saying, if, if, you, if you were to book somewhere to go and watch this, have you seen online that you can now book Shrek's Swamp as an Airbnb? Amazing! I mean, Isn't I, that amazing? I, I I'm not sure I'd go because it's a swamp. I'm sure it's not right, really a swamp. I'm sure it's. I'm, I'm sure not it's lovely. a big fan of camping. No. And I feel like that's what you would do. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure it's beautifully done. But yeah, I've seen it, and, yeah. and it does. It looks. It looks awesome. But yeah, if somebody said, "Oh, you can stay in um, our Antarctic Outpost Number Thirty One as a Airbnb," <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Yeah, as long as you can take the thing DVD. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, another interesting fact about that is that you know when they go to the Norwegian camp that's all blown up and burnt down. Yeah, that's the same thing. set that they blew up and burnt down for their set so really? they i mean it's the same set but so they they after they blew it all up they went yeah they they obviously went oh well now we can this use is, this they, they planned yeah. to use it instead of building a whole new set which is another brilliant way of saving money yeah uh, absolutely so many interesting points of this film yeah it's you know great. it's a it's a cracker um yeah there's, there's yeah. nothing I, I can't remember what i was going to talk about before but it'll come back to me later on it's i fine. think it was something about uh films that weren't well received at first and then you said something about vhs you said something about yeah, the so introduction vhs is the thing that 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 kept the movie alive and people started talking about it um and it's you know i i, I do miss the days of going into in, in into uh, uh, video stores and yeah, trying to too. pick trying to pick the movie you love seeing it's not there or the newest movie and then you go okay I've got to get I've got to get I've got to get something else because I want to watch a film and that really helped broaden uh, my uh, my horizons as far as movies go and uh, the you can't do that now because there's too much choice and you can get everything instantly on on streaming which again is a good thing but yeah. I do miss that physical act of leaving the house um maybe seeing people I know in 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 the in the store hiring our movie getting our popcorn you know rewinding it taking it back and and just yeah it was that that library idea of if it's not there 
find something else. Um, yeah, and, it, and now, now there is too much choice. I love the fact that there was just a shelf of things, yeah. you know, and no pun intended again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that could be a great sequel. Uh, <laughs> shelf of things, my God. But uh, but again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dissing streaming services no. at all. I mean, we're, we're so lucky to have so much available to us. But there is that lovely idea of leaving your house, hunting for a thing that you want, there it is again, uh, to, to bring back and watch. And then if you come back with something slightly different, because that used to happen as well. Like my parents might go out and say, we're going to bring back a movie and we'd be at home and they went, oh, this wasn't in, but this is in, so let's try it. And we all sit down and watch. And it was yeah, it was cool. I, I, I like that. But again, that's, that's with, well, I'm looking through rose, rose-tinted glasses, of course. I of mean, course, right. You, a, you don't know what you've got until it's not there anymore, though, right? Like exactly. That was such a thing that you would just be like, yeah, this is what I do now. But yeah. then all of a sudden, now you've just got Netflix and Disney Plus. Yeah. And, which is which is know, fabulous, but it's... And we're it's, spoiled, yeah. It's a shame, I think. I just think, yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk about that all, but... I think I mentioned this before. The the moment companies start referring to the movies and programs they call as as content, it it sticks it sticks in my in my in my yeah. core. That I I just think it's like what contents. I don't know. It's content is something that's in a, a full nappy. Or, or <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? It's like I don't I don't I don't like that idea of content because you you've just taken everything the art away from all of it. Yeah. And I don't like. I don't like that. Again, I'm sounding like a grumpy old man, and I'm no, blazing. Right. So you know, <laughs> content is, is is something that you throw up on your YouTube channel. Yeah, you know, and that you need to get more people to watch and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, um, you should maybe treat and talk about films like this with a little bit more regard. I guess. I guess that's kind of where you're coming yeah, and, from. And, you and, know, and these are masterpieces. And no know. disrespected. Yeah, no disrespected YouTube channels, of course, as well. No, of course not. Uh, no. But it, uh, but it's just like the. It's it's just I don't know. It just feels like it's so much has gone into these films, into, the, into all these movies, from the, the the writers through development, production, getting your actors, getting your crew, all this stuff, and then they just kind of go, yeah, just chuck it all on. I don't know. Yeah. It's just uh, it's cheaper, obviously, and that's the thing. And yeah. I don't know. I, I it's it's just a thing that I that bothers well, me. That's why it's important to keep physical media alive. Yes, you know, please, absolutely. Buy those Blu-rays and those DVDs and that sort of thing. I love the fact that it's, it's that possessional thing. You know, I own this movie now. This is yeah. mine. Yeah, you no know, one can delete it. Connection to it. Yeah, it's like exactly. in the middle of the night, they can just come in and take it off your shelf because that's what happens, and it's really annoying. Yeah. Um, There's so yeah. I mean, I work with with kids all the time, and people say like, I can't believe they took Friends off of Netflix. And to me, that's so sad because Friends is one of my favourite TV shows of all time. And I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to get to watch Friends now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not they, ideal. I know they, they didn't take Friends off Netflix, but that's just an example. Yeah, but I'm, I'm guessing that you've got it on DVD or something, so you could probably lend it to I them do. anyway. <laughs> I do, I do. Yeah. I do. Um, for a price. For a price, of course, <laughs> yeah, yes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> on an exchange, that's something you used to do. Can yeah. I borrow this film or this game yeah, for yeah, one of yeah, yours? Man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Always have something to hold on to, just in case they don't get it back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, listen, this has been a pleasure chatting about the thing. Oh, um, I feel like much, we could Chris. go on another another hour, um, but I would more than more than happily bring you back on to chat about any more of these films that you're so passionate about, like the fog or the blob or whatever. Uh, or and the foggy maybe blob. Again, the foggy blob. <laughs> um, but listen, as you correctly you know noted, Halloween is in October, so 
we might end up doing some form of collaboration, even if it's just yourself, if we get Greg involved, who's just back from Universal Studios. I don't know if you saw anything on his social media, oh, I, but I'm I, so jealous. The, the, oh, my the, God. That boy has built himself a lightsaber. I'm a very... Uh, also, he's he's married uh, his, his sweetheart and love, and she's very beautiful and amazing, by the way. So congratulations, Greg yeah, but and Luce. he's built a lightsaber. <laughs> but he's built a lightsaber as well. But, you know, he's married the love of his life, which is... yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. So I, I know they've had a, a they've had a wonderful time, and I I love their uh, yeah I I I, I love seeing all the pictures of their wedding and stuff. They looked they look they look so happy. It's so lovely, and and it's it's just gorgeous. I love that. Um, but yeah. yes, he built a lightsaber. And I'm really jealous. <laughs> Although yeah, was... we did talk about going to uh, like Leanne said to me, um, do you want to go to Galaxy's Edge? And I went no, no, because I would become in incredibly overwhelmed, and I would just probably have a panic attack. I'm and I wouldn't you, be able to go anywhere. These things happen. These things happen. You do get overwhelmed. I'm just, I was in Disneyland Paris back in June, hmm. and they have a whole Star Wars section. I mean, it's, it's toned down in the Universal, you know, version. Not Universal, but the um, Florida version or whatever, you know, in America. Um, but the Paris one, even that was almost overwhelming at times. They've changed Space Mountain into Hyperspace Mountain, uh-huh. and it's unbelievable, you know? Wow. Um, and you can build your own lightsaber there, but I didn't, I didn't do that. Regrettable. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm, I might, I, I, I don't know. I, I would get overwhelmed. I'm not sure I could go, but maybe yeah. one day, maybe, maybe well, for my sixtieth. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, so yeah, in terms of your director friend that you mentioned as well, if you want to come back with him, we could oh, do that as well. We could talk about the blob. We'd have a good time. Yeah, he, he, he is a, a, a fountain of information about most wow. movies. So uh, yeah, that'd be great. I'll, I'll have a word with him, and we'll, we'll see if, he, if you're up for that. That would be great. I'd love to. Well, thank you everybody for watching and listening and thank you to your Michael for your time. I really appreciate it as always. My pleasure. And until next time, folks, take care of yourselves. We'll catch you all down the road. Bye. Yeah.